Appreciate everything this morning. Glad to have each one back with us. <clears throat> like you to turn to your Bibles to the 71st Psalm. And we're going to continue. I think this might be the last one for just a bit. I'm going to go back to the church covenant next Wednesday. And, but this will be the last one. I, I have some others I'm working on. But feel impressed, the Lord, to go back to the church covenant. But I want to speak this morning on a portrait of the aged in Christ from this 71st Psalm. We've preached twice now uh, from it. <clears throat> and I want to again uh, address the subject. And you bear with me. I, I, if you'd follow along, I'd like to begin reading at verse 1. It says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness, and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me, and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. And I'm going to stop reading there. We'll eventually read uh, through the psalm. But I want to stop there for just a minute. Or for some time here. Again, a portrait or a picture uh, uh, of the aged in Christ. Not all the aged are in Christ. That's just a simple fact. Not everybody who's old is saved. And <clears throat> one writer put it this way, he said, old men may be few, but righteous old men are fewer. And when something is rare, it is of more value. Its rarity signalizes uh, its beauty and enhances it. And... Uh, it's kind of like, you know, the price of land's going up more and more. 
And that's because God's not making any more dirt. Turn over, if you would, to Proverbs 16, verse 31. Proverbs 16 and verse 31. And you can look up this word in a concordance, the word hoary. It simply means aged or gray-headed. Used a lot here in the poetical books. But I want to read just this one, and I think this really shows this truth. Proverbs 16:31. It says, "The hoary head, or the gray-headed, or the age, uh, the the aged head, is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness." See, it's only a crown of glory if it's found in the way of righteousness. You know, not all the hoary heads are found in the way of righteousness, are they? Some are found in the ways of unrighteousness, and they're not crowns of glory. And so, these things are just, they're just true. And I want us to observe uh, six things this morning in this portrait, in this picture. And just imagine yourself, you know, as you go and you, you know, those of you, I'm, I'm not really one to, to really examine art. Uh, it's just not my thing. Uh, I can appreciate other things. And, but you can just imagine looking at a picture and seeing different qualities in it by an artist. And, I'm not one for things that are, I guess, abstract. I don't know what it, exactly it's called, but um, I like things that are real. And I guess I've always said if, it's, if I can do it, it's not art. But a portrait of the aged in Christ. Sir, what are some characteristics or some attributes as we look at this portrait. And then, do we find these in ourselves? And even if you're not aged, do we see them beginning in ourselves even now? <coughs> so, turn back to our text, and I'd like to note in verse 1, and verse 1, that... The aged in Christ, that they have a sublime faith in the Lord. And really, a sublime faith in the Lord. And this is 
their secret, or as I, I phrased it, their not-so-secret character. I mean, it's really not a secret, is it? Faith in the Lord. Believing the Lord above all else. <coughs> Trusting the Lord above all things. Listen, verse 1. In Thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. That is their sublime faith in the Lord. Their exalting faith in the Lord. Amen. That they trust the Lord above all things. And you think about some folks who have uh, gone on and folks you've known who have become aged in Christ down through the years and they had a sublime faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them, they had it in their yesteryears, in their early years, in their middle years, and they had it in their aged years, and some, maybe they just grew into it into their aged years. But they had a trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in their aged years. And this is the first foundation stone that must be laid if the house is going to stand. Amen. Look over to Matthew chapter 7. We sang this uh, this past Lord's Day. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. And this is applicable in so many different ways. And I think that this is true with respect to salvation uh, primarily, but it's true in just about every way, shape, or form that Christ, He's the foundation, isn't He? And I want you to notice here in Matthew 7 and verse 24, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. You see, what's the Bible say? I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Who? The one who heard and did what the Lord said. Well, why would you do what the Lord said? Because you trusted Him. Right. And the one you keep reading, in verse 26, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And who's this one? The one who heard it, but didn't do it. Why didn't they do it? Because they didn't trust what the Lord said. 
And so here's a portrait, and here's the first, very first characteristic in our text. The very first thing in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Amen. The trust did not reside in family. It didn't reside in money. It didn't reside in government or in a political party or in a nation, but it resided in the Lord. Look in Romans chapter 4. And I think that the Bible puts it plainer than I could. And I like how the Lord puts it here in Romans 4 and verse 17 down through verse uh, uh, 21 where it records in his writing about uh, uh, Abraham. And this is, I believe, the language. And this is how our faith ought to be. And it describes how our faith ought to be. And this is the sublimeness of how our faith ought to be in the Lord. Listen, Romans 4 and verse 17. The Bible says, As it is written, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now notice, again, it was just according to that which was spoken. That was it. All Abraham had to go by was what God had spoken. And the next verse says, verse 19, and being not what? Not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead. Doesn't that sometimes feel like some of you who are aged in Christ, you feel like your bodies are dead? And sometimes... You can't do this. You can't do that. You don't move like this anymore. The Bible says that being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being what? Fully persuaded that God, what he, that, that what He had promised, He was able also to perform. Amen. In Thee, O Lord, He said, do I put my trust. He believed God was able to do what He said He would do. Right. Fully persuaded. And so that's the first thing. That's a portrait of the aged. That they believe that God is able to do as He said He would do. A portrait of the aged in Christ. Now the second thing I'd like you to notice. And we already read it in, our hear in your hearing in the beginning. And that is in verses 2 down through verse 6. Is that the aged in Christ that... A portrait or part of what they have is that their earnest prayers. They have earnest prayers. The godly in Christ 
are given or are ever given to prayer. And we find this here. If you'll notice me, or if you'll notice, rather in the writing, he says in verse 2, the latter part of that verse, incline thine ear unto me and save me. That is the language of praying, isn't it? Incline thine ear unto me. He's asking the Lord to bend his ear to incline it, you know, and, and it's kind of like the chair over here, and you know, you've got chairs, I'm sure, in your home, and they're, we, what do we call them? We call them recliners, don't we? Well, he wants the Lord to incline his ear unto him. He wants him to bend his ear toward him. Oh, my, my mamma, my dad's mother, she'd say, honey, speak into my good ear. And I swear, sometimes she'd point to the other ear. But you know, God's got two good ears, doesn't He? Amen. You know, the only thing that hinders God from hearing our prayers is our own sin. Amen. You know that? Amen. His ear is not shortened that He cannot hear. The Bible tells us. And so the psalmist here says, incline thine ear to me. And notice the familiarity of the language. He says, deliver me. Verse 4. Uh, verse 2 and verse 4. Deliver me. Well, what does that sound like? Sounds like the model prayer of Jesus Christ in Matthew 6, doesn't it? Matthew 6, verse 13. Doesn't Christ pray that deliver us from evil? And so, again, we find here some very familiar things. Prayer is a great resource. And when the aged have lost physical strength, yet they are not without spiritual strength. Do you remember the children of Israel of old? how that they would use all of their physical abilities and all they would do a lot of times is just get themselves into deeper trouble. Like, like you know, the old stories about quicksand that you'd struggle and you'd get yourself into deeper problems. Well, the same is true in a lot of things is that we need to learn to just quit and turn to the Amen. Lord. Amen. And the aged and a lot of times God robs them of spirit or physical strength and all they have left is spiritual. And they turn to the Lord. It is their great resource. Look over, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 6. Remember, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual. And they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And the Bible tells us, I'm sure you're familiar in Ephesians chapter 6, 
Paul gives us a list of the uh, spiritual armor of the children of God. And you'll notice in verse 18 that he concludes it and he says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Well, beloved, you might not be able to stand physically. And you might not be able to girt your loins anymore. And you might not be able to adorn your breastplate or even shod your own feet without assistance or lift up your shield or put on your own helmet or wield the sword as you once did. But can you not pray? Can you not pray? And so here we find that the psalmist tells us in this portrait we find that the aged in Christ they are found on their spiritual knees obtaining mercy and grace. These may not be in the forefront of the battle anymore, but they may be the ones who turn the tide. They may be the ones who cause the walls of Jericho to fall. They may be the ones who cause the stone of David's sling to fly straight and true into the head of Goliath. The Bible tells us here, as we observe, and you'll look here, Thirdly, I'd like you to note that the portrait of the aged in Christ, if you look in verse 5 and 6, I want to reread these verses. It says, For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holden up from the womb, Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. What we find here 
is that the portrait of the agent in Christ, they will have varied experiences. And they will oftentimes look back and reminisce on those things. Now there might be dimness on some of those. There may be some confusion in, the, in, in, in retrospecting on some of them. But there will be some events that make a deep, long-lasting impression that stand out very clearly. Here the writer speaks of a time of his youth. He says here in verse 5, Thou art my trust from my youth. He speaks of having been holden up from the womb and being taken out of his mother's bowels. No doubt he recounted whether it was dangers or certain things that went on through his younger years, but the Lord preserved him, delivered him. He accounted many things that God had done through him, and he saw the hand of the sovereignty and God's providence in his life leading him or her up until his present time. Now I've known folks who never lived outside of the county that they were born in. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and God was ever-present. Look over, if you would, in Isaiah 46. Isaiah chapter 46. I'd like to read here verse 3 and 4. The Lord speaking here unto... Israel, and he notice what he says in Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 3. He says, Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age I am he, and even to whore hairs, or aged hairs, or gray hairs, will I carry you, I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry, and will deliver you. Amen. 
varied experiences. I mean, did not Christ even say, time and again, mine hour is not yet come? Christ had varied experiences. The Apostle Paul, he had spoken of how that the Lord had delivered him time and again. Has not the Lord delivered you time and again? And so we see here that the the aged in Christ in their portrait, they will reminisce on the providence and the sovereignty of God in their life. And in doing so, they will praise the Lord. Another characteristic of this portrait of the aged in Christ, fourthly, is that we will see that the aged in Christ, they will have settled convictions. They will have settled convictions. You ever meet a so-called Christian, so-called child of God, and they don't have any convictions. I mean, they're so wishy-washy even in, on salvation. And then you meet some that, well, yes, Jesus is the Savior, but outside of that, they're really not convicted on anything. It's a downright shame. That's a person who doesn't spend much time in the Word of God. To say the least. I believe that settled convictions is not just simply a fact of having spent time on earth, but spending time with the Lord. Being in His house. Because you can be on this earth and still not have an ounce of convictions. But you can have spent time with the Lord and have some convictions. One thing that the godly aged in Christ will testify of is that the Lord is worthy of being trusted. They will testify that the word of God is not some cunningly devised fable, but rather it is truth itself. Amen. They will testify that the gospel is not a delusion, but rather the power of God unto salvation. They will testify that the most pleasant memories are of having been loyal to Christ. 
whether it was being of good done to men, whether it was to enemies or to good men, brothers and sisters in the Christ. But that loyalty done to Christ are the best memories. Amen. And the saddest are the opportunities that were lost of failing to serve Him. Of regret of having not whether it was speaking to another about salvation or something telling someone, giving a track inviting the church, whatever that it may have been. Those will be the saddest memories of the aged in Christ. I'm not saying that there will not be great other great memories or other sad memories, but those are the greatest and the saddest of having served and been loyal to Christ or having been disloyal to Him. Yeah. Fifthly, if you'll return to our text of Psalm 71, I'd like to read some of the remaining verses. I'd like particularly to begin at verse 14. <clears throat> he says, verse 14. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. For I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Fifthly, we find here in the portrait of the agent in Christ his unfaltering or their unfaltering, their unwavering resolve. While the old may have their regrets, while they have their times of trial and weaknesses, they also have their unfaltering, unwavering resolve. Notice here again, verse 14, I will. 
hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. Verse 15, my mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. What numbers doesn't he know the rest of his days? Verse 16, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. What resolution he has. I will do it. I shall do it. I will. I will. Yeah, he's got regrets. Yeah, he's got disappointments and failures. Yes, there have been trials. There have been weaknesses in between there. We did not read of the enemies who he feels are persecuting him and the things that are going on. But we turn here and we see he's got resolve. His days may be few from start to finish and there's certainly fewer left than when he began. But he is resolved to finish his race strong for his Lord and Savior. If he did tremble at the thought of being a castaway, he renews his strength by prayer. And having gained courage, he pledges himself that he will now be true unto his God. And instead of wavering, he now presses on. Just like we sing that song, I am resolved no longer to linger. Instead of keeping silent, he will testify by word and deed to the strength and power of God. And so we see him. And then sixthly, last of all, this is my last point. I can't remember how many said I had, but this is my last one. I want you to observe here these last few lines, verse 19 down through the end. He said, Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high, who hast done great things, O God, who is like unto thee. Thou which hast shown me great and sore troubles shalt quicken me again and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. <clears throat> I believe that the psalmist here 
And I believe that this is the portrait of the agent in Christ. That they have a glorious prospect of the future. A glorious prospect of the future. I'm not talking about the future of the here and now. But you look at this verse here, the verse prior to what we read. Verse 18, Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not. Again, remember we said there seemed to be a little concern about having been forsaken. Notice how he closes out the psalm. Sound like he's concerned about being forsaken? Sound like he's concerned about the enemies at all? No. He's got a glorious future. Great prospects. Where is he going to be? Praising God and singing praises unto Him. Where does that take place at? In glory. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. What's the psalmist say? Verse 22, I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth. O my God, unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long. For they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. He's not concerned about the enemies anymore, is he? He's got a glorious, glorious prospect. He's, he's got a great future ahead of him. If you're here in Christ, you've got a great future ahead of you. And so here is a portrait of the aged that are in Christ. Now I want to show you, if you would, just indulge me one more turn of the pages of the Word of God to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. <clears throat> and I want to read here. <clears throat> verse 2 in, in some subsequent verses. It says, That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, or in love, in patience, that the aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, 
that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. I think that we see here the aged are supposed to teach the younger some things. So here's some things, six things the aged ought to teach the younger. Here's a portrait of you to teach the younger. A sublime faith in the Lord. A prayer life, an earnest prayer life. To look back over your the hand of God in your life. Spiritual Holy Spirit convictions of resolve to serve God and then heavenly eternal prospects. Affections having been set on things above and not on things on this earth. I pray God will bless His Word. All right, let's close in prayer, and may God bless his word.